Welcome to the MBG Podcast. Let's fire everybody. Welcome, everyone, to episode number two of the Message Board Geniuses podcast. This is Who's, and with me, of course, today are Casey and MBG. How are we doing tonight, fellas? Oh, we're doing great, Who's. How are you doing? Doing all right. MBG, how about you? Oh, I'm fantastic. Wonderful. So we just wrapped up week seven of the college football season. It's now in the books, and I think our team's may have gone undefeated this weekend. Casey, you guys, did you play Florida State? Yes, sir. Yeah, it was a tough one. It ended tough, but it, it wasn't tough for th- through three quarters. But, yeah, it was a good, good another win. So Winning you were, are you 7-0? and 6-0, 7-0? 7-0. There we go. And MBG, what's going on? How many quarterbacks have you guys gone through <laughs> so far this year? Well, Saturday we started the game with our second string, and at some point in the second quarter they showed on the – TV camera, the trainer taking both the second string and the third string quarterback back to the locker room. <laughs> I walked so in the back, we were, and this is for everybody uh, listening. This is Utah State. I saw where you posted that. That that's a bad sign, right? When your number two and number three guys are being escorted together uh, yeah. back to the locker room. Yeah. So number four came in and he pulled out a win over mighty Colorado State. Hey, take your wins where you can get them. We'll, we'll take them exactly. Yeah. And uh, listen, speaking of which. My Wahoos uh, look better than they have all season. We had a bye week, so uh, we did not not screw up the undefeated record for the podcast here. So uh, we've got Georgia Tech, I believe, on Thursday uh, this week. So we'll we'll see how that goes. One thing that I've learned is the only thing that makes college football weekends uh, tolerable is not losing. Winning it, winning doesn't feel as good as not losing, or else if you watch your rival lose. Those are the only things that make the weekend great, is watch your rival lose or not lose yourself. Winning doesn't really matter that much. My Saturday was so stress-free because I, I wasn't yelling at the TV. Virginia Tech was down 20 to nothing Miami at one point, although they did come back and make it a game. But, uh, yeah, it was a nice nice little Saturday. <laughs> Well, I'll be honest, Zeus, your Saturday this week is going to be stress-free as well because your game's on Thursday. <laughs> That's right. I will get out all my anger and frustration. Back-to-back back weeks. Saturday. <laughs> Take like the wins that. where you can get them. Yeah, man. That's right. All right, so the big news, obviously, this week was Tennessee taking down Alabama 52-49. to I assume you guys watched. Yeah, what a game. Yeah, Fantastic. man. It, it, was, it was pretty incredible. Did that yeah. kick get blocked at the end? It changed trajectory. It was an I, I couldn't tell if it was a knuckleball, right? It or came off his of... foot really well, and then all yeah. of a sudden went duck. I think it got blocked. I think I saw a video that it got it got tipped a little bit, and that thing barely snuck over that crossbar there. I mean, it barely snuck over. Secretly, I wanted him to miss. I'll be honest. I wanted overtime. It was that good a game. It was. I mean, listen. It was. It was. The whole thing was incredible, right? Like everything that's great about college football. If you if you can't enjoy that game, then I, I don't know what to tell you. It's just everybody's so invested. They've got how many fans fit in that stadium? Like over a hundred thousand, right? 
Yeah, it's one of the I biggest mean, in the country. Yeah, I mean that's it was just pretty incredible to watch. I I will never know what that what that kind of atmosphere is like. We don't really have that in the ACC. Although I mean, I guess Clemson comes the closest, but I mean, man, that that place is rocking. We rock because it's built down a little bit, so like the sound is kind of right there on you, but. It's only 83 and 86, maybe, if they get the hill full. But, no, there's no, it's been loud in that place. But I don't think it's anything like 105,000. That's just exorbitant. Have you ever been to Neyland? I mean, I'll say I've been there. And they give you about mm, about seven inches of seat space. Uh, that's what Clemson, you get. That's, too. That's how they fit 100,000 in there. Oh, is that right? <laughs> Do you get those seats that are locked in too, so that they can have like a real, you know, foam seat there on the benches? I don't know. I only remember there being benches there when I went, but yeah, they don't, they don't give you a lot of space. So they, I mean, they'll they'll pack you in there. So um, that just kind of adds to the environment, I think. This COVID ain't gonna spread itself. That's right. <laughs> Exactly. So many great moments from that game. I can tell you one of my uh, personal favorites was in the post-game celebration, the uh, Tennessee fan, the woman tearing a section of the turf out of the field. Did you guys, did you guys see that picture? Looking yeah, like I, a goal who climbed out from under the bridge and just tore like a one-foot-by-one-foot one section of the turf out. <laughs> I love that Billy Ghost Gruff reference right there. <laughs> The other thing, I saw a tweet right before we came on air. I saw a tweet where someone was speculating that the reason why they took the goalposts out and threw them in the river was because they weren't regulation size and they didn't want anyone to measure them. <laughs> otherwise, that, otherwise that, that field goal may not have been good. <laughs> They're gonna, that was some pretty solid hiding of the evidence, right? We're just going to throw it in the river. When, the when entire the student body was aware that those goalposts weren't regulation, and so they were all kind of <laughs> in, in on the scheme to hurry and dispose of them before anybody could catch them. <laughs> have Have you guys ever rushed the field after a big win before? I have, yeah. So yeah. back, I think it was oh oh three, maybe when Clemson played Florida State, Bowden Bowl three. Tommy finally got the best of his dad. I was actually on the field working for ABC Sports as a production assistant, meaning basically I held, I held uh, Heather Cox's backpack for, and followed her around the stadium that whole day. <laughs> but right when I realized that we were going to win and I could see the students and everybody kind of creeping towards the wall, I called my dad on my cell phone, which was not a good one. And I told him, look, I'm going right to Bowden. Look for me. And literally the clock hit zero. I'm about to go. And the stands and everybody just flooded. I didn't move a single step because everybody was on top of me so fast. My dad was like, I didn't see you when they were interviewing Bowden. I was like, no, I was in the exact same spot that I called you in. Because all these people just, I got I got cold feet, I guess, literally. Yeah, that was an elite field rush after the Tennessee win. I mean, that, that, that was, it was almost bad. orderly looking, you know? The only time I've done it, actually, Casey, was when um, Virginia beat Clemson in 1990, which was my senior year in college. And uh, Clemson had beaten us 29 years in a row. We'd never beaten them. We, we finally win. I, you know, all my buddies are going to rush the field. I get literally one step onto the field, and someone just spears me in the back from behind, drives my face down into the turf, glasses go flying off. 
I turn around as my buddy Sergeant Party is just giggling behind me. He's sitting, he's like, dude, I saw you coming. <laughs> it's like, all right, that, that's that's fun, man. <laughs> Nowadays that would be an illegal blindside block, fifteen yard penalty. <laughs> it, it was it was targeting. There, there's no <laughs> no question about that. All right, so I did jot down a few thoughts while I was watching the game. I thought we could do a little segment called Buy or Sell, where I, I tell you one of the thoughts I had during the game, and you can tell me if you're buying it or selling it. Does that work for you guys? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So buy or sell. Hendon Hooker is a legit Heisman candidate. Sell. I think, uh, I mean, I have to think that Tennessee is going to lose at least one. They're going to lose to Georgia, and they're probably going to drop one more. I think that'll put him out of contention. I'd sell on Hendon Hooker. By you, Casey? I wanted to sell as well, but I think – you know, it's a trophy that goes to the best player on the best team. And right now he's got to be at the top. But I really, truly believe that C.J. Stroud is the number one guy so far. And I have a really hard time getting out of my head the fact that when Hendon Hooker was at Virginia Tech, the last time he played Clemson apparently was cold in Blacksburg and he fumbled four times, couldn't handle two snaps, and, and literally was convulsing on the sideline. They had to pull him out of the game. I remember that, yeah. I have a hard time seeing that he's the same guy now at Tennessee that's so lauded. I might get killed for this, but in that game, to me, Bryce Young was still the better quarterback. I mean, if you, in my opinion, if you watch that game, Bryce Young was making some insane plays that I don't think Kenan Hooker can make. Yeah, I'm Who has the better receivers? Yeah, and I love, I love Hooker. I mean, I don't think he's mm-hmm. going to win the Heisman. I think he's having an incredible season. He doesn't have the numbers. He's not going to end up with the numbers that like Young ends up putting up or Stroud. One thing that I saw that I thought was interesting after that game, this guy on Twitter at Who Daves sent a tweet that said Hooker played a part in ending two different 15-game losing streaks to a conference rival. So, you know, he beats Alabama. And he was also the quarterback for Virginia Tech in 2019 when UVA finally got off the schneid against them. And I went back and looked. I mean, still, he put up, you know, 300 yards and ran for, you know, threw a touchdown pass, ran for a touchdown. So it's not like he was bad. But, yeah, Casey, I agree with you, man. He he looks like a completely different guy than he did when he was at Virginia Tech. Not even the same player right now. He's, I, I think he's great. And it's super fun to watch. He's probably got a job now going forward. He's going to yeah. be a pro. He's going to be on a roster somewhere next year. Yeah. I truly believe that. So good good on him. Yep. All right. This is a, uh, a callback to last week, this next one. All right. Buy or sell. We are in the middle of a fat coach renaissance. What do you guys think? <laughs> oh, man. I want to I mean, buy Heifel. that. Heifel, come on, man. I, I want to buy that. He's the only one that comes to mind is Heifel. I mean – in comparison to our favorite fat guy coaches, Charlie Weiss, Mangino, Ralph Friedgen, I don't Heupel's not quite there yet. That's right. He's still got S- some size wise. I mean, he, <laughs> I, I'm so, not saying he can't, I'm not saying he can't get there. He's got I'm just saying on his size resume. All right. Well, that's fair. Yeah. I thought Mark Mangino like ate his family. That's how big <laughs> this guy was. So I think Heupel is, you know, I got the double chin too, but Hypo's double chin is, it, it can get bigger. And I, I, I want to buy it too so bad, but I'm thinking like, I'm, I'm almost pressing a little bit. Like Ryan Day is not in, in the best shape and Kirby, I guess, could probably, looks like he could still play. I'm just, Saban's not big. So really let, right let now, me, let me throw it out for you. I'm going to go to the NFL. All right. Brian Davis, uh, head coach of the New York 
Giants, who are five and one. Have you seen him? Yeah, he's he's a big fella. He With he looks the bald like head cross, too, right? Yeah, he looks like a cross between uh, Butterbean and Wooly Willie. <laughs> 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 Wooly Willie is that like the the little game where you'd shake and it like had the the flint or in there or whatever? Yeah, little like magnetic magnet. things that you put yeah, on his yeah, face yeah. and like okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Willie. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, man, yeah. the Giants are five and one. So we got one. We got one in you know the SEC. We got one in the NFL. Well, Andy, Andy Reid. Andy Reid. Mm -hmm. I mean, listen. By the way, have have you guys ever seen the Andy Reid punt, pass, and kick video when he was like twelve years old? Oh. Yeah, but he was still like six two, two four. It is yeah. the one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Like everyone else comes up to his waist, and he's a grown ass man. Like the helmet's <laughs> tight on his head. It is. It is just flat, and he kicks the ball sixty yards. <laughs> it looked like some grown man who went into the competition just try to win tickets or something to yeah. win a big game or something. <laughs> so yeah. I've watched that video so many times. Oh, and and by the way, do you guys remember Josh Heupel was not Tennessee's first choice as head coach? You guys remember who it was? Yeah. Or maybe there was somebody else. Maybe it wasn't uh, Tennessee's, but Casey, it's someone you know was definitely in the running. Tony Elliott, right? Tony Elliott, yeah. 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 He was he was waiting for a bigger job than Tennessee, so you know he he wanted to hold out for the Virginia job. So uh, he wanted yeah. the right job. Right, right. I'm going to need him to pack on a good like 100 pounds or so, and well, you know, to get this thing moving in the right direction. He's getting. He he was a receiver at Clemson, <laughs> a walk-on receiver who actually got a lot of play towards the end of his career, and he's getting. He looks like he's following the hypo food chain. <laughs> he's in the lab <laughs> right now, working on the hypo. So yeah. yeah. Have I ever told you guys that? When Josh Heupel was in college, he actually took an official visit to Utah State, and I was one of his guides at Utah State when he visited. Obviously, I wasn't able to really seal the deal, but I knew Josh Heupel back before he was Josh Heupel. So what what happened? Do you remember anything, any of the deets about that weekend? Well, all I remember was, I don't know if you've ever been to Logan, Utah, but there's not a lot to do. And he came over, I want to say it was the Christmas holiday when there was even less to do. Um, <laughs> so I just remember, hard sell, is what you're telling uh, me. <laughs> I remember sitting in an apartment on a floor with about five dudes just talking. And that was pretty much the extent of the <laughs> excitement we were able to show him that weekend. So uh, at that point, a little different actually, now. <laughs> yeah. And then Oklahoma came a calling and it was, uh, you know, uh, we lost him. But I, and I at that shot. very moment, that's when he was no longer coming to Utah State. Yeah, he's like, I don't know. Oklahoma, you know, they've got a lot of money, these great facilities, or I can sit with these guys on the floor every weekend and talk. <laughs> yeah, go figure. I mean, that probably changed the trajectory of both Oklahoma and Utah State football right there. It's all my fault. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Last one, buy or sell. Overalls with no shirt is acceptable game day attire. There's a lot of that going on. <laughs> if I'm going to all buy it. If you're in Tennessee, absolutely wear it. If you're in like Palo Alto, California, no. <laughs> so Tennessee, it's, yes. It's geography specific. All right, oh, that's God. And, and I'm rubbing my eyes and my face and my hands right now because my wife came out of the bedroom 
last night, and no, this isn't. This is PG thirteen, and with a huge pair of, I guess, maroon and white overalls. My stepson's birthday is Thursday, and he want all he wanted was red and white overalls. He goes to Mississippi State, so there's something about it in the South. <laughs> no, oh yeah, no, I'm done. <laughs> okay. It's so I'm gonna you, sell. I'm gonna sell because it's not. No. It's funny you mentioned that they are maroon because we call the overalls and no shirt the Blacksburg tuxedo in Charlottesville. <laughs> so. All right. So MBG. I'm guessing we probably had some Alabama Tennessee message board posts that were interesting this week. Am I right? Oh yeah, the message boards uh, were on fire for both teams. So there were some posts, these were some mid-game posts that I got a kick out of as the game is, is being processed. So you can kind of think about what's probably happening in the game at the time that I read these posts. And these were from Bama Online. And the first one is from Saban Process, where he just says, they have been paid. <laughs> then the next guy says, this is ridiculous, phantom holding calls. Um and then about looking at the time from Vol Nation on their message board, uh, Vol Dave says, those were well-purchased flags for Bama, pricks. <laughs> and someone followed up and said, freak these mother freaking refs are freaking paid off. Now, I'm in, he, he used asterisks there, so I'm just guessing that he's saying Frick. <laughs> Frick. That's probably right. So so both of them are complaining about the other team paying the officials. So I'm wondering how they think that this works or what's going on there on the sideline. Are those refs kind of, is there an auctioneer out there uh, going back and <laughs> forth between Saban and Heupel? And like the assistant coaches are out there trying to round up more money to outbid the other side. I'm not quite sure about that. Well, I mean, listen, I can tell you for a fact that Tennessee can't afford to pay off the refs. You know how I know that? They can't afford to pay for new goalposts. Did you see they did like a, a GoFundMe thing on Twitter to, to pay yes. for the new goalposts? Well, they probably had a fine for us in the field too. They're probably they hurting now. Yeah. That was, I think it was like 150 grand, right? Something like that. At least. Yeah. Something like that. So I thought it was funny that both, both fan bases throughout the game were accusing the other team of paying the refs and i mean apparently that's why tennessee now needs some money to help pay off the fines and buy the goalposts because they must have given all their all the all their available funds to the officials yeah see that's a smarter way of looking at it right they spent all their money on the refs look we bought we bought the win we can't also buy the goalposts (laughs) fine well i mean here's the thing if you're a ref are are you going to go to the coaches and have them pay you off or are you going to just, you know, on these judgment calls, maybe call them one way and just have a ton of money riding on the game, right? I mean. Well, why would it be holds of all yeah. things? <laughs> you know, like, every team does it on every play. And it's the easiest, copiest, copiest, cop out thing to say ever. It's going to happen. I think, for obviously I'm biased, but Clemson has had one hold called against them the whole season. So, 
like if they're not going to call it, they don't call it. If they if they do call it, then they have to stay consistent with it. And quite honestly, if they don't call it either way, who cares? Let's play the game. So it's just so funny that they that these people are always complaining about referees and the holds because that's the easiest thing ever. If there was a, well, like the targeting call, maybe well, there's maybe, money exchange. Maybe that's the cheapest one to buy though. Maybe like holds are only like twenty bucks. <laughs> And a targeting is like, like a menu, like four figures. You know, you gotta right. get because you, that's a you good know, point. Like, yeah, so it's like a sliding scale, right? Maybe Tennessee's thinking, well, look, I can buy five holds in the first quarter, <laughs> or I can buy a targeting call late in the third. And do you just, think these targeting reviews are actually the referee going over to the screen, putting the headset on, and just negotiating? It's like a ticker just going by, right? Like with. Yeah. <laughs> A silent auction. Silent auction, and if the number gets up right, well then, call stands. Frankly, look, if both teams are saying they paid off the refs, I would say that's probably a sign that the refs are doing a decent job, right? Like, if you pissed off both teams, then I mean, you're you're probably doing something right. And there were questionable calls there, but I mean, when the stakes are so in a game like that, when the stakes are so high, I mean, every call is going to be looked at under a microscope, and I mean, you're never going to get them all. Right. Um, right. Funniest posts came obviously after the game from Alabama fans. And uh, I'm sure based on the, some of the posts I just read that you can probably guess what their reactions were. <laughs> so, for example, there's this one that comes from Tide Illustrated, which is a rival site. And it says, he says, every, every single Alabama football fan should call and write the SEC official office and demand an explanation on how a referee crew is allowed to take over and change the outcome of a game due to bias. I have already called and left a message. But we'll, <laughs> here it is. I mean, this is where he really dropped the hammer. He says, but I will also be writing a certified letter. And then he provides the phone number for everybody to call the official office, which is one thing, but a certified letter. I mean, that's how you know he's serious. He's just, he's not just writing a letter. That yeah, I mean, for certified it's letters, certified. Don't you? you got to pay for that stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I, I get people who call and leave me voicemails all the time. And I don't listen, but as soon as they send me a certified letter, then they've got they've got my attention. Once I have that, if you're full attention, you get that little green card in your mailbox. Oh crap! <laughs> this one is certified. And I better somebody, read this one right away. Somebody needs business. I'm not I'm not weaseling out of this one. Do you think Greg Sankey, the commissioner of the SEC, called out sick on Monday and Tuesday just so that he could kind of avoid that? Probably he's just avoiding the inevitable. He's got all those certified mail cards he's got to sign <laughs> here coming up. So there was that one, and then we're not done because the I mean there's still some good stuff coming. So on Bama Online there was a poster named Beast Man, and he he kind of lists. Of was. <laughs> he's got this long post complaining about the officials, but in the end he says. It may take legal action to get this fixed. Did this really have 5,000 comments on it? I think so. This this thread. Holy crap. This was a thread where they wanted Saban to publicly call out the ref. So there's this guy who says, well, hey, we may need to take some legal action. And then there was another guy who follows it up, and he says virtually the same, same thing. 
He says it's time for Saban to announce a lawsuit is coming against the SEC and the refs. Just the sue everybody guy. That's that's another guy we haven't talked about, right? Yeah, well, we didn't mention him last everybody. week. Right. That's a that's a good message board guy. Sue everybody guy. The guy yep. who I'm guessing doesn't have much of a legal background. <laughs> well, does do they have a case? I mean, I is, this, know, is this something for Morgan and Morgan? What do you think, Hoos? I, I mean, you know, I'm I've never done any plaintiff side uh, work, so I'm certainly no expert. But I can't really think of any viable. Uh, I mean, unless they're going for like some kind of uh, intentional infliction of emotional distress, or <laughs> something, something like that. But yeah. I think the beast man. I think the beast man would say that definitely there was a lot of emotional distress <laughs> the inflicted upon him. Exactly. Lost some lost wages. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'd go with the, just the general negligence. Uh, that seems like the catch-all, just some negligent officiating. I love people who decide that everyone is biased against their school. Did you, did you all see uh, there are Bama fans claiming that one of the refs was celebrating one of the Tennessee scores? Did you see that? that I saw awesome. that video. Yeah, man. It's, look, and they're convinced. They slow it down. The still shot. Is there anything worse in football than the still shot? Like the screenshot of it where they got the guy with his hands clenched? Because normally what they do, and nobody can see me doing this, but they'll go with the timeout thing. Exactly. So maybe he got in his ear, we're going to keep going, and he just held his arms down and then pulled it back. There was no fist pumping. No. They're they're acting like he signaled a touchdown and then raised the roof. You know, after the Tennessee score, he just couldn't hold it in any longer. Right? He's like, oh, "I got, I got to let this out, man. I'm so excited. <laughs> I hate Alabama." How how rich is that coming? I mean, from Alabama fans. I mean, is there anybody that really feels sorry for Alabama? I can see if this was like Vanderbilt. They're finally having a good year, and they get a couple tough calls against them. And but this is Alabama. No, and I think that's why it's so funny, too, is that yeah. nobody feels sorry for him. I, I think it's even funnier that Tennessee's got fans, too, that are complaining about it. So it's almost like two big bullies that are in a fight, and you're like, well, uh, yeah, beat each other up. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, it's fun. Well, And the other thing, too, like I was excited Tennessee won just because, you know, it's always fun when the lower team wins. You know, it's kind of an upset or whatever, but – I mean, they their fans wore out their goodwill with me on Twitter within like five minutes. So now I just want to see Tennessee get their ass beat. <laughs> well, well, here here's the thing. I mean, had had Alabama won that game, you would have seen those exact same "Let's sue everybody" posts on the Tennessee side. I mean, absolutely, the, absolutely. Whoever lost that game was going to make they were going to make the exact same allegations against the officials, no matter no matter what. You know my bias, but the SEC fan has never actually lost the game. No, they have it not. was just the referees, or the time ran out, or else they were coming back. <laughs> the time ran out. I like that. <laughs> I don't know if you guys will remember these guys at all, but the sue everybody thing. Do you guys remember the Jerky Boys from back in the, the early nineteen? 19- <laughs> we're, we're dating ourselves here, who's? But yes, absolutely. <laughs> For those of you who do not remember, have never heard of the Jerky Boys, go look them up. They they used to do these prank phone calls, which you can't even do now. But the the guy who was calling a lawyer for a consult and was just like sue everybody. That's the, <laughs> that's the voice I have in my head when I'm reading these. 
Sue me. Sue everybody. <laughs> well, uh, Casey, you mentioned the SEC fans, but this, uh, I don't think this is even restricted just to SEC fans. It's not. I just have a bias. That's all it is. I mean, there was another um, another good game Saturday night against two highly ranked teams as well. Much later, the USC-Utah game. Did you guys see that game? I did. Yeah, so USC. Oh, fantastic game. And USC obviously lost that game. And there were some tough calls towards the end of that game too. So from their board, um, they kind of took a similar stance to Alabama fans. But this post is is, is pretty funny. This is from the Peristyle, um, which is their uh, 247 site. And the, the topic of the message board is a message to Colin Cowherd of all people. <laughs> So this is an absolute direct message to Colin Coward from this poster. And he says this, Colin, if you're reading this, USC Nation implores you to shine a light on the draconian officiating displayed Saturday night in Salt Lake City. You are the only, you are the only with the forum and courage to speak out and affect change. Yes, USC is leaving the conference in 2024. But there's a lot of important football to be played between now and then. And we owe it to these young men to give a voice to their strife. So he's pleading with Colin Coward, who apparently is a USC fan, to try, I, I guess, I don't know, to, to help uh, improve the officiating in the Pac-12? Or is he trying to get him to overturn this, this game? I don't, I don't know. It's not clear. It sounds like it's the latter. Kind of, I guess uh, a little bit of both, right? Like going forward to make sure that these poor people don't have to deal with all the strife that they had to deal with against Utah. My, my favorite part of this post is, I don't know about y'all, but whenever I hear the name Colin Coward, the, the first word that comes to mind is courage. <laughs> he's, he's, he's very courageous for all his brave takes, you know, not at all geared towards getting more eyeballs and more money. Again, USC, they've got tons. It was a great game. They, they've got tons of resources. You know, Riley's got them headed in the right direction. I, I think they'll be okay without Colin intervening on their behalf. But, you know, this guy had to shoot his shot, I guess. What is Colin going to do? What's he's he going to do? He's going to be brave, man. That's what he's going to do. <laughs> look, look, Casey, he's the only one with the courage and the forum to affect the change necessary in the Pac-12 to straighten out these officials basically to help USC win the remainder of their games, which I can't argue that, which I think they've only got one eight upvotes by the way. And, and the most impressive thing about this post is this guy used effect change with an E properly. I never thought I would see that on a message board. (laughs) Well, this is a USC guy. He's obviously, Uh, that's a good point. Right. That's a good point. Those USC guys are smart. That's a good so point. I so I'm told, <laughs> but I mean I guess we'll see. You know, if I I haven't listened to Colin's show yet this week, but you know maybe he's working to effectuate change in the Pac-12. <laughs> so what else we got this week, MBG? All right, so we talked last week a little bit about our friend Brian Harson, and I think we were all a little bit surprised that uh, he's still ticking down there in uh, Auburn, and even after they lost to Ole Miss, he's still. He's still alive. He's still got a job, um, much to the dismay of <laughs> Auburn fans still. <laughs> so there's this post. It was on Auburn Live, which is an on three site. 
this one's funny. And this is from a poster named Brian Noli. Noli with a K. It says, instead of firing head coaches, can't we just change their duties and make them quit? We're still paying them, so why not make them janitors or cook food? We'd have Gus on campus still at least doing something for the $25 million or whatever it is, and Harse can join him. I'm serious. <laughs> the I'm serious got me. Yeah, just yeah. in case you thought he wasn't serious. I'm not messing serious. around. I want to have want... a couple of janitors and cooks making, you know, between 12 and $25 million a year. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to walk in the cafeteria and have Gus Malzahn and Brian Harson serve me my food I mean, that, i'm not gonna lie that's kind of a i would enjoy that right like you know you, you know once see your ex-coach in there he, he's just in there with a hair nut on <laughs> like dropping pinto beans in your tray or you know if, if big ed was still at lsu cleaning up after kids and stuff that'd be fun as hell i remember you know, my high school we had we had like ex-felons that were our cafeteria people. So I just pictured that, you know, we had Betty and then you have Ed Orgeron standing next to each other. Just the dynamic between Betty and Ed Orgeron would be absolute gold. That would be awesome. Ed Orgeron with a, with a bottle of Windex and some paper towels. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure having him in proximity to a bunch of, you know, young college women would not be a problem at all. Yeah. <laughs> It's just asking, you want the special? What's the special? <laughs> it's the special special. Uh, yeah, I'll take the special special. <laughs> that would be the highest paid cafeteria staff in the history of... Uh... <laughs> it, would, it, it would be like putting together a staff, right? Just for like the football team. Just put together your cafeteria yeah. staff. We got Gus, the head cook, you know. <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what Harson would do. I'm not sure what his qualifications are. I don't know. That's a funny post, though. I like yeah, it. Yeah, I like that, that one. Well thinking outside the box. All right. So here's my last one for tonight. It's from Texas A&M fans, of course, from Texags. You know, they're still a little bit upset with Jimbo down there. Jimbo is his own offensive coordinator. He doesn't have an offensive coordinator. And most of them aren't pleased with that, given that Jimbo's offense seems to be a bit antiquated. Um, so they think. So they've been brainstorming this offensive coordinator ordeal for quite some time. And this guy, I think, has come up with the ideal solution to the problem, at least I think. So he says, why not hire someone like David Blaine or David Copperfield to design trick plays? Seems like they could come up with some flawless trick plays, being that they are masters of illusion. I think it's worth looking into Someone needs to pass this idea on to Jimbo because this now most of the time you see these ideas on message boards and you're in your idea, you think, well, of course the coaches have already thought of this, but this is probably one that I guarantee <laughs> has not crossed Jimbo's mind at any point in his coaching career to hire a, uh, a magician. Um, I, I did laugh out loud uh, MBG at when you posted this on Twitter, you said that, a&M's hot board candidates for OC were David Blaine and David and uh, David Copperfield. <laughs> the idea of I'll, them having a hot board of magicians, you know. All I all I can picture that they would come up with is like I could picture Texas A&M out there on offense, and you know, the quarterbacks out there under center, and all of a sudden there's like Jimbo over on the sideline. He's in like a 
like a wood box with his head and his arms <laughs> sticking out, like someone sawing the box in half. And so the defense is all watching him, wondering if Jimbo's really getting sawed in half. And meanwhile, Haynes King's taking the snap and throwing deep while the defense is. <laughs> I mean, the the options are really endless, right? I mean, well, yeah. I had, you know, Copperfield likes to make things disappear. I think he made the Statue of Liberty disappear one time on television. So he uses like these big curtains usually, or a jet. I think he made a jet disappear just out of thin air, just gone poof. So he could do that over the defense, you know, maybe just have the center just like lift up the big sheet and poof, the defense is gone. I mean, could you imagine? The the towel on the back of the center's pants, right? You you think Haynes King would be able to hit a receiver if they didn't have a defense on the field? (laughs) Maybe. I mean, he. Someone should work on making those yell eaters disappear. Maybe he can work on that too. Yeah, I, I like that one. That again, these last two, some some solid thinking outside the box, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess what? How many games has Texas A&M lost? Three. Yeah, yeah you I lost so. three. I mean, you're in desperation mode at this point. You still got an SEC schedule ahead of you. You got to figure something out. <laughs> How about this? I've heard worse ideas on the message boards than this one. So it's worth it's worth uh, consideration by Jimbo, I think. Well, hopefully someone passes him the message. I mean, I'd, <laughs> maybe the guy from that's emailing Eli Drinkwitz can get uh, the email address. <laughs> we, need, we need a guy who knows how to get in touch with all the coaches, right? Coach's email guy. Yeah. Right. All right, uh, fellas. Is that the last one? That's all I brought. Last one. All right. Brought one. That'll do it for this week's episode of the MBG Podcast. We'll see you back here next week, losers. Uh-huh.